forever. Dog. Just between us. Hey. Just between us. Hey. Hello, I'm Alice Maskin. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and as of today, I'm officially one year post-knee surgery. Hey, I'm Gabe Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, and I guess my voice has changed. So you're post-knee surgery. One year, baby. Like, how do you feel? Like, I wish I was doing better. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I'm still very much in recovery. And I, I mean, I, I, I realized a long time ago this was going to take longer than I had hoped. But, um, you know, it's it's still an ongoing struggle. But I'm hoping to finish uh, PT in the next couple of months, which will be nice. But I guess I don't quite see how I will ever feel like it's a normal knee. But maybe I just need more time. Okay, so can you explain what was wrong with it? And then, because in my head, is is how it is now better than what was originally wrong with it? Okay, day to day, how it is now is far worse than what it was like before. Right. But before the surgery, I was having, I had a dislocation, which is, and so trigger warning for gross medical stuff, sorry. Before the surgery, I had a major dislocation, which meant that my, 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 my kneecap left where it's supposed to be and stayed there until Ooh. I put it back in, which was horrifying. And then I had two subluxations, which means that my kneecap left where it was supposed to be, but came back on its own. Okay. And so every single day I was living with the fear that I was going to collapse. Okay. And so since the but you surgery, weren't in pain, but you weren't in pain. Well, I was in horrible pain when, when th- those happen. things would when happen. happen yeah. And after the dislocation, I was in pain and I had to like heal and, you know, yeah. Subluxations took a couple days. Dislocation took a couple weeks. Anyway, an awful pain. And then the psychological tear of, of, of feeling like, oh, if I go for a walk, I, I hope I can call someone if in case I end up on the street. Right, 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 right. So in that sense, it's better because that's not supposed to happen anymore. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like how I felt, you know, the day before surgery and what I could, what my body was able to do, I'm still very far from that. Right. Like I still have pain all the time. I'm still stiff all the time. I can't walk for that long. So that's my question. Like it, it it's like between a rock and a hard place. Like you had, it's like get the surgery and you won't have this problem. But, and I've heard about this with knee surgery from, from multiple people I know who have had knee surgery. It's like, get the knee surgery. You, you might not have the problem you had before, but you are still recovering from a new problem for years. Yeah. But like, it was a high stakes problem. And the first, the more often that it happened, the more damage it could do. Okay. So it was worth it to do. Yeah. I think so. At least that's what I tell myself. Because also just psychologically, it was worth it because I was so afraid every single day. What, that it, you would collapse. Yeah. And like the, the sensation of the kneecap moving is so deeply disgusting and traumatic to me that I was like also like just like living in fear of having to feel that again. Yeah. Um, and now hopefully. But I was doing some exercises today. And I was doing this one exercise and I was like, oh, this feels like my kneecap's going to move. Even though it probably wasn't, I was like, I got to stop doing this. Really? <laughs> I just know that friends of mine or, or my uncle, like they had things where it was like they got the knee surgery and then bad stuff still happened. But that's kind of like, diff- like it's different 
to get like a to be older and to get a knee replacement uh, than to have what I had. Okay. Cause like those people, it's more just like they're they have like their knees like in bad shape. They maybe can't like they right, don't have right, like right. that much functioning. Like, but like I was having like dislocations and subluxations, Ugh. which not everybody has who gets knee replacement. You said you have to do PT for three months. I don't know, a couple months more, but maybe I'm gonna go down to once a week instead of twice a week and then I'm trying to strengthen it on my own. It's a journey. It's also this weird thing because I think like if you just like look at me and we like go to dinner, you'd be like, oh, her knee's better. Do you know what no, I mean? I, I see you limp a little. I do, right? Yeah, you yeah. limp a little. Yeah. <laughs> and like, Melissa's is nodding. In my head, I'm like, nobody could tell. <laughs> no, no, you do have a little bit of a limp. Yeah, you. I would think that maybe you were a pirate. <laughs> and like if I, as soon as I have to walk on anything slanted, yeah. I'm fucked. Oh. I cannot walk correctly on anything slanted. Oh my God. But it is also weird because I can now run. Like I've learned how to run. So it's like this weird dichotomy of like, I can run, but don't ask me for walk to walk for too long or I lose the, you know, like it's like it's the, the process of healing is coming in pieces. The human body is so fragile. Yes, true. That's what I think. Every but also time- resilient. <laughs> resilient. But every time I see a movie, I was out with um movie club, which Melissa is a part of, uh, which is a group of my friends who watch movies. So uh, in Movie Club, we were talking about what's the most realistic scene in a movie where someone is injured and doesn't just immediately get back up. You know, like in movies where someone will just like fall from the top of a building and then get up and be fine. What is it like? We couldn't think of one movie where there was a realistic sort of, oh, my God. And now for the rest of the movie, I'm limping or for the rest of the movie, I can't move my arm. Well, no, like a really serious movie, like a war movie. What about in Forrest Gump? Yeah. Okay. That's true. You're right. Well, this is just between us. A variety show filled with heartfelt advice. Ridiculous gaze. And brutal honesty. I'd like to be in a book club. Well, I don't want to read. Fine. No, I did. I actually just read. uh, I actually finished a whole book. Wait, you don't read all the time? I go through phases. Oh. But I just finished. I just was proud of myself for finishing a book like this week. What was it? It's Becky Albertalli's new book. It's not out yet. Oh, see, you wanted to bring it up so you could brag that you had special access to I had to special something. access and to that's a book why that's you not read it. out yet. And that's why you read it. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got a great episode for everyone today. We're going to be asking Mac and Jimmy tough questions about gay TikTok and creating content for TikTok in general and also our own problems with TikTok. <laughs> and later, we'll be talking all about award shows. Should they exist? Who knows? But first, we have got to answer a listener's question. And you know what that means. Hit it! International question! International question! International question! Jason, Indiana. This is a very dog-centric episode. I'm just going to put it out Uh there. (laughs) So Jason writes, Gabe and Allison, am I a terrible dog parent? My dog, female, 13. I love that he described female it. 13. <laughs> like a teenage daughter. Okay, female 13. Has a bad habit of getting underfoot in the kitchen when I or my spouse cook. She also hates getting her toenails clipped. So if I get the clippers out and show them to her whenever I want to cook to get her out of the kitchen, am I a terrible parent? <sighs> wow. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Short and to the point. And honestly... I'm flabbergasted because I don't really know. (sighs) Well, okay, but this is the thing is that it's the hard thing about having a dog 
is that you have to do things that are for their own good, but you can't explain it to them. Yes. And it's the same with a baby, but at least with a baby, when the baby grows up, generally you're able to say, the reason I did this, the reason you got your shots, the reason, you know, you had to uh, go to the dentist, whatever, is because it was for your own good, to keep you alive, to keep you healthy. Whereas with my dog, I struggle with saying, I don't want to step on him in the kitchen. I don't want to hurt him. Or if I have to clean out his ears or anything like that, but he's yelping, he doesn't like it. But I, how do I, I can't just, I try to speak to him in English and I say, this is for your own good or I'm helping you or whatever, but he will never understand that I'm helping him. Yeah, but I would argue that, and I'm going to take a harsh, I'm going to take a harsh take on this. What? That you're not really helping the dog by getting them out of the kitchen. You're helping yourself. Well, what if I step on him? Yeah, but you should be cognizant of what you're stepping on. So this is, again, I will preface all this by saying I am a complete pushover when it comes to my dogs. I 100% prioritize them <laughs> over my own needs. I, like, will be hanging off the bed at night because I couldn't possibly move sugar. Oh like, we're, like, we're on a king bed and I have, like, six inches of it because I'm like, well, they're, you know, uh, it's nice that they're getting rest. Oh, my God. Um, and so I will say, you know, you could let them in the kitchen and just be a little more cognizant of 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 not stepping on them, moving them around throughout the kitchen. I get that that's annoying. My other part that's going to come in hot and fast that is, you know, maybe harsher than normal mm. is you don't want to reinforce to them that the nail clipper is a bad thing. Mm. And I think you're you're using it as a source of fear. Whereas in theory, based on like behavioral science, you should be trying to get them to associate the nail clipper with something positive. So like always showing them the nail clipper with a treat yeah. instead of showing them the nail clipper with something that will make them flee. Right. Now, the reality is it'd probably be very hard at this point with your 13-year-old dog to get them to have a positive association with, with the, the nail, nail clipper. clipper. Teach an old dog new tricks. You know, and at a certain point, there's the the best way you know, the most idyllic, more moral way to live our lives. And then there's the way that works for our everyday functioning. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's maybe what we've stumbled upon. And then it really becomes the qualitative question of what is good or bad in the spectrum of parenting. I know because you're just trying to, I, I see so much parenting content and I, I don't even, it's like endless quandaries that have no answers. <laughs> wild like anything anything that someone says like oh why don't you just do this for your kid or whatever I just see parents being like I'm just trying to get through the motherfucking day like yeah I'm just trying to survive make sure my kid survives like anything extra is extra baby what if and again I don't know your dog's dietary habits if instead of showing them the nail clipper you gave them some sort of long chew toy or like that long, would take like a while. that would take a while some sort of like fake rawhide not real rawhide or I know like that's puzzle bad. puzzle food or box. something for them to do while you're in the kitchen instead of reinforcing the negative association with the clippers yeah but I who knows feel... he's maybe already tried that what the fuck do i know but i just feel like okay if i if i step on beans or if i accidentally hurt beans the over the top sort of like i am so sorry oh my mm -hmm. god like the pain that i feel and then beans because he's a little manipulative little piece of shit, he suddenly realized that if he yelps, 
Like in the last year, he realized that if he yelps, I will run to him and dote on him. So even when he's not in pain, he'll just go, and then I'll run in from the other room and be like, oh my God, are you okay, baby? What hurts? What hurts? And like rub parts of him to see what hurts. And he's just like, wow. He so dramatic, just all theatrics. Yeah. So dramatic. And like, and just has played me like a fiddle. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, uh, thinking in terms of like such a binary, my good or bad dog parent is like never really that helpful because like everything is a spectrum. And I'm sure like there are ways that you go above and beyond for this dog. Right. So I would suggest trying a different distraction than the nail clippers. But also at a certain point, you just got to cook that meal. And and I have a, okay, trigger warning massively for animal, something bad happening to an animal. I don't want to hear this. This was probably our, our least useful advice segment to date. But if you want a better, if you want to give us another chance, you can send an advice question to just between us pod at gmail.com. That's just between us pod at gmail.com. People are going to have a lot of opinions because it is about dogs. This is not going to be boring to people. Anyway, I didn't say boring. I said not helpful. True. Stick around after the break. We've got a juicy interview with our highly esteemed guest, Mac and Jemmy. Stay tuned. to just between us it's time for the juiciest most scandalous most controversial segment known to all of podcasting tough questions this week on the show we have mac and jemmy who makes content ranging from fashion advice sketch comedy vlogging about her lived experiences as a lesbian in the conservative midwest she has three million tiktok followers also co-hosts the chosen family podcast woohoo hello (laughs) it is so nice to meet you guys i know nice to meet you too I've been following you guys on Instagram like forever. Not to not to really? anything, but oh my god, I've been following you guys for so long. I think you guys are hilarious. Oh, that's so funny what? because I have to say when we when we booked you, I was like, oh okay, like I trust you know Gabe, but I because I never know who anyone's name is. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to prep for the show, I like actually googled you, and I was like, oh, I follow her on TikTok. <laughs> I've been watching her videos forever. Oh my god, I'm so <laughs> flattered. Thank you. <laughs> I love that you're on gay TikTok. Oh, I'm yeah. I think <laughs> at, at the beginning I was on a lot of gay TikTok. I wonder if it was sort of like your sister led me. That's to gotta you. be it. Yeah, for sure. Um, she was like my my bounce pad for starting my own platform. So I feel like that's how a lot of people probably found me. But what does your sister do? She does a lot more sketch comedy than I do. I'm just I'm honestly just her pawn. Like whatever <laughs> she needs me to do, I'm just like. I've got you. We live the area we live in. It's not a very creative based area. So when we find somebody that can act or that can help us with a bit or a sketch, we hold on to them <laughs> and I'll like help her in any way I can with that. So I would love to see like the trajectory, right? Because like, it, yeah, like if you were starting off sort of just in your sister's content and then for you to now be like your own creator, like mm-hmm. was this like what you thought your life would be? Is it something you kind of stumbled into? I, I knew I wanted to do something creative. I was going to school for film when uh, I kind of started doing sketches with her and stuff. So I knew I wanted to do something creative, but I never expected that it would have been this way or just the way that TikTok works and the way at the time that it was launching people the way it was happened so fast. And it was just so crazy, like the way that the internet, 
gives you a platform so quickly through that specific app, like blew my mind. And so I was like, I got to take advantage of this and, you know, do what I can with it and see what it turns into. So I'm kind of just playing around with different media forms right now and seeing where that leads me. But ultimately want to do something creative, preferably in the film industry, I think. So I have a question. So you're from like a small area. Mm -hmm. Were you, and you're quite young, were you out big time or were you, you know, like out a little bit and then all of a sudden you're like three million strangers know that I'm gay? Yeah, like I was out to everybody that I knew and it was just kind of something they knew, but I feel like I was more of the quiet gay. Like I was just the person that they knew was gay, but we don't really talk about it very much except for with my sister. Like obviously she's very supportive and stuff. Um, But now I'm like the town gay. So (laughs) what's that (laughs) like? I mean, it's cool. There's not, there's not very many people here that are representative of the community in like on social media because it's a smaller area. So when you have somebody that does that stuff I think it's cool for the community to see and I've met tons of great local people here that I feel like I never would have met otherwise because it's like why would they randomly come up to me in a store and be like hey I love your videos I'm also gay (laughs) so most of the queer people that I meet are actually from that and it's it's a great experience I can't complain at all it's just like all of a sudden you're the gay mayor of Springfield (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, during Pride Month. Oh my God, you should see. You should see my inbox. It gets crazy. <laughs> like we need a Missouri influencer for this. Who do we have? And it's like you yes. and Crystal Method. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The father, son, and we need a Holy Spirit. We need one more. Diabetes. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that you know this. That's incredible. I'm a drag race like encyclopedia. So I was like, Springfield, you got the Get Dusted Girls. You got the- Oh, my God. I love that. In high school, me and my friends like snuck Diabetti into our high school because we wanted to make a documentary about trans like uh, drag queens here. <laughs> so we snuck her in after hours. Our media teacher was like so cool. And she was like, just let her in at nighttime because that's the only time that she could come. And so she came in her full drag and we did an interview and... It was just the best thing ever. It's one of my favorite high school memories. That's amazing. And so like as somebody who has been on the internet now, we've been on the internet now for like 10 years, far too longer, maybe, you know, like I know like a lot of in a lot of ways, like our trajectory and like the type of content we make, like some of it just sort of like happens, do you know, like Mm -hmm. it wasn't like you set out and you're like, oh, and this is my clear brand. I mean, I think we figured out ours pretty quick only for them to like evolve and evolve but and change yeah like how much thought did you have about like and this is the this is the brand that I'm creating for myself this is the persona I'm creating for myself or yeah yeah because your Instagram uh bio is like little brother or something hot teenage brother on my chosen family podcast I right. tell her when we introduce ourselves it's like Ashley Gavin is the daddy Elena Joy is the mommy and I'm I just decided I was a hot teenage brother. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know where that came from, but it just did. I think a lot of it just kind of happened while I was trying to find a way to be authentic as much as I could while still TikTok is weird because it's like you want to be authentic, but you also if you're a content creator, you know what works and like you know what you need to put into a video for it to perform well. So I think my TikTok brand is probably very different than my Instagram brand or even my YouTube brand, which might be kind of confusing, but I've learned what performs well 
on that app. And so you kind of play into that. And Please that's tell not to us say, because yeah, we'd what, love to crack it. What performs well? <laughs> well, we'll have like something that we'll have like a series that does really well and then it won't and then it will again. So we're like, I don't know. It's so frustrating. There's so much stuff that we have yet to even figure out because you'll post something that's, I do these videos and it's like what I wore this week as a chapstick lesbian. And a lot of the time, like sometimes they take off and then other times it's just like nothing. Yeah. That app, it's so unpredictable in when it's going to, when the algorithm's going to work for you and when it's going to work against you. But we just try to do as many little things that would like drive people to comment as possible. Like it sounds so basic. I'm sure you guys know that. No, but like what is it? Tell the audience. Yeah, break it down for break us. Like we've never even heard of TikTok. I'll literally sometimes if I make a video that doesn't even involve my sister at all, I'll just have her stand in the or like walk in the background and like make a weird face at the camera. And then there's like 200 comments that are like, did anyone else see Matteo walk in the background? Like, <laughs> LOL. Stuff like that. There's this thing that happened for a while where... And it wasn't even on purpose, but creators' videos just would randomly get a glitch when they uploaded. Mm. But like every single one of those videos blew up because everybody commented about the glitch. So it's almost like not shittier content did better, but like if there's a mistake in the video, I purposefully put typos in when I'm putting text on screen because like if you can let go of your ego, people want to correct you, especially on TikTok. So they'll comment and they'll be like, you spelled this wrong. And meanwhile, I'm like, I know I spelled that wrong. <laughs> but like, what <laughs> about your dictionary? I'm trying to think of other little stuff. Anything small that's going to drive comments like that, even if it's obviously nothing like controversial or crazy, but like a typo is a great way to just get people to get into the comment section. And how does you feel like your persona on there differs from from YouTube and Instagram? I think YouTube is a lot more, I try to focus on long form content. And that's where I put the stuff where I'm like, this is truly what it was like to grow up here in this like very Republican area and be queer and be mask presenting. And I talk more in depth about that stuff and more advice stuff. If I was to just sit on TikTok and talk, it's more than likely that people won't listen. Even the people that tell really good stories, they do it while they're like putting on makeup or they do it while they're doing something random that people can focus on like two things at once. On TikTok, I honestly just think I look like kind of a douchebag. Like I post thirst traps and stuff because it performs well and then it drives people to the other stuff that like I actually care about. So if there's a video that I put up on YouTube and I'm giving advice to queer kids that are from small towns and it's really important to me, then I can like put up a, a thirst trap or something like that on TikTok that I know is going to perform, even if it's not something that I'm like super fucking stoked about and it'll drive it to other platforms. What what constitutes a TikTok thirst trap? I got to get in on that. I can do I can do Instagram, but I got to get in on the TikTok thirst traps. The TikTok thirst traps, I would say find. Do you just like scroll on TikTok a lot? Yeah, you do. You do a lot with your hair. I feel like I definitely do a lot with my hair. People love the hair. Yeah, You've got a nice her, haircut she like too. Flips her hair a lot. It's really I nice. Do, yeah, I used. To- <laughs> <laughs> Allison, I feel like I feel like Allison being so deeply on lesbian TikTok is really outing you. 
Like, how did you get there, straighty? Everybody, everybody ends up oh, on lesbian every, TikTok oh, at some point. Everybody ends yeah. up on lesbian Melissa's TikTok. Melissa's nodding. It's true. I don't trust you both are sus. I don't know. That's the first step, isn't it? It's straight girls being like, I don't know. I'm just on lesbian TikTok. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> I heard that was huge in the pandemic. Yeah. Like, that was when everyone realized. I honestly think my engagement has dropped because there were so many straight girls that would be like, wait, like, maybe I am gay, like, questioning, which is great if they're on TikTok and realizing things about their sexuality. But now that they've kind of, like, figured it out, they stop commenting about it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) They're like, Mac, figure this out for me. What do I, what am I? What do I do? The big thing I'll see is, like, it'll be, like, a, like, a mask-presenting lesbian, and then, like, the comments will just be like, am I gay? And, like, yes, but then once they figured it out, you're right, then they don't need to comment, am I gay anymore? (laughs) Yes, that's too good. They're too busy being gay. Yeah, they're too busy being gay now. (laughs) preoccupied you gotta get on the transitions have you seen like the really good you could do like a simple just like drop the camera and have a hide a transition in there like simple like like, honestly the more simple and subtle yeah when i'm changing my outfits change the outfit Mm -hmm. i don't know if you do like makeup i don't do makeup but like no that could work i used to (laughs) when i was a girl i used to do transitions into makeup but yeah not very, I I think, yeah, I think I got to figure out what, what a thirst trap is for like a, a trans guy for like a, cause I see a lot of them and I'm always like, good for you, bold, you know, like I'm always like, yeah, yeah I'll cheer from the sidelines. I a hundred percent follow some people that I think would help, help you figure that out that post good thirst traps, but I can't remember their username. So I'm going to have to like email them. Or <laughs> I mean, I have a thing with TikTok where it, it is. It is such a rush when a video does well and then so sad when it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so like, has it impacted your mental health to have like your career be so closely tied to an algorithm you don't have control over? Yeah, for sure. It's I think it's like so frustrating more than anything, especially with even a bigger issue being TikTok just suppressing queer content Mm -hmm. and constantly putting violations on things. There was I'm really fortunate that I have an account manager now at TikTok and I have for like a year now. But before I had that, I think I almost lost my account. I feel like a lot of people in the LGBTQ plus community like nearly or do fully lose their accounts because TikTok puts <laughs> just random warnings on things. One that you see the most often, I think, is minor safety. I don't know if you guys have ever gotten a violation for that. but No, what is that? Well, my girlfriend will, she does dancing videos on TikTok and she's not a minor, obviously. And she'll post these videos, some like fully clothed. I mean, like there's nothing there. The worst case scenario has been like a tank top mm-hmm. and they'll put a warning on it for minor safety and like take the video down because I don't know if they think she's a minor or what, but then there's a whole appeals process and you can appeal it, but they don't look at it forever. And by the time they do look at it, if they put it back up, it's not going to perform. Right. I think, I feel like they have a lot of work to do as far as figuring out what's actually dangerous. Because then, you know, I'm scrolling on TikTok and I see some of the most disturbing shit I've ever seen and it's still up and they're not doing anything to take it down. I think the app itself needs a lot of work. So is someone reporting the video or is it like, Sometimes that's I follow uh, one lesbian creator and she posts because she'll post screenshots of like you get notified when a video has been reported. Yeah. And so she'll get like a bunch of reports in a row and it's somebody that she pissed off or it's like this Republican dude that's Mm -hmm. on her page that's trying to get her banned. 
and she'll have to put her account private so nobody can uh, report anything else so that she can like not get her account deleted. Mm -hmm. Which just fucking sucks. Like you think they'd have something that would recognize the same person reporting over and over and over again. Right, right. But I think it's a huge issue. The app's been great for quick short form queer content and representation across the spectrum at the same time it's also hard when you're putting queer people in these positions where they maybe like form a business and use tiktok to advertise or whatever it is and then you know it's just threatened like that because somebody's reporting everything yeah one of my friends is a a lesbian creator and often pisses off straight woman tiktok somehow and and like is it's like a mask presenting lesbian person and, and they just get like harassed, you know, by these straight women who I report them all the time. And I think oh that they've had like a lot of problems with that or a lot of problems with being like, because I think like they've said something about that, that not being the most oppressed group. And I think a bunch of like Facebook moms were like, fuck you. Oh I don't God. really know, but it's like they started, they, they got some feedback about like, hey, you need to start taking responsibility for what's being posted on here. But they kind mm-hmm. of directed it in the wrong direction. Gotcha. Like yeah. TikTok, no, like TikTok itself. Like, I feel like TikTok got some like feedback about being like, hey, make sure you, you know, you put a warning when someone's driving or make sure you put a warning of, you know, this is uh, about COVID and it's not real or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, but, but they haven't figured out a way to like make that hit where it needs to hit. That's the problem for sure. You're right. It's like, they're totally missing. Like they have the right idea, but they just can't seem to get their algorithm to pinpoint it where it needs to actually be. Because they're viewing queer content as inherently sexual. Is that what's happening? That's what, from what I've heard, like, again, I said, I don't really deal with it as much anymore now that I have an account manager. Because if I have an issue, I just email them directly. A lot of people don't have access to that. And so I think that it being viewed as sexual is something that's happening a lot. And it's really frustrating for a lot of people. And so back to just kind of like how you manage it, like, Are you able to just like have a video not do well and be like, well, whatever? Or like, do you beat yourself up about it? Like, what does that look like? I think it's kind of a process. Like I'm getting I'm getting better at it. Hank Green actually helps a lot with that. He posts a lot of really nice advice to his friends only on TikTok. And he posted something a really long time ago. And he was talking about content creators need to start viewing their content in like different categories, like some things maybe are meant to go uber viral and maybe they fulfill that purpose, maybe they don't, but then maybe other things are meant for a different purpose. And so I try to see it through that lens. Like if I put out a video on TikTok and it's an advice video and I know it's inherently probably not going to perform very well because it doesn't really have a far reach and it doesn't hit all these different groups. It's more of a niche group. But I really want to put that out and I'm excited to put it out. I have to, I like switch it in my brain and try to think about uh, think about it as like, this isn't meant to go uber viral. This is just meant to find its home, find its group and, you know, reach those people and hopefully help those people as opposed to just like blowing the fuck up. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when I make a video and I'm like wanting it to go uber viral and it doesn't, that really sucks. But just try it, like trying to work through that and get over it and see things and hold value in them for myself as opposed to just like if this performs well it is good or if this performs bad it is bad Mm -hmm. because that's not always true when you have this algorithm that's pushing it or not pushing it 
Yeah. And do you have like a schedule for making your videos? Like, do you have like a quota you're trying to hit all the time? Or do you just wait for ideas to come to you? I don't really have a specific quota. Usually what I do is at the beginning of the week, I kind of sit down and think about a general idea of what I want that week to look like. So like this week, for example, I sat down and wrote out that I wanted to put out a video of like my outfits from this last week. And then I wanted to do like a skit with my sister that I had written. And then I wanted to try and do like two trends that are going viral right now. Because like great tip is to just mix trends in with whatever you're doing and try to cater that to your niche because the algorithm will always push filters that are being used a lot or just a trend or an audio that's going around. Those are always great to use. So at the beginning of the week, I just try to do those. But a lot of the time when you're scrolling, you just see something and you're like, oh, this will work. And then you just get it done and put it up. And that's kind of the beauty of parts of TikTok. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting because it is this like, it almost has this gold rush element to it, (laughs) where there's this sense that like, if I can just do this and get my video and do these types of videos and do this, I could become famous. Like you see all of these people making videos about how like they want to quit their job so they can just be a TikTok creator. Yes. But, you know, TikTok has them stuck at like 200 views. And I'll be like, Mm -hmm. okay, that's interesting. Like for this person to even be in the mindset that like they're going to, that their immediate goal is to quit their job and become a TikTok creator. I then often will go to their profile to see like, is this something we're close to? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) And and then they'll have like 5,000 followers or like Uh 11,000 followers. And I'm like, yeah, that's nowhere, like no offense, but like that's nowhere near where you can like financially sustain yourself. Maybe they're just manifesting. But it is interesting, right? It is like this thing where it feels like anyone could do this. And therefore, I'm going to do it. But that's not really true. Like, why do you think some people do pop off on TikTok and some people don't? Like, how much of it is just like the right time, the algorithm? How much of it is just like people being someone who is very attractive to like watch like, Mm -hmm. you know, has like that that's that like it factor, like Mm -hmm. the way like movie stars do like what like what do you think like plays into it? I'm so interested by what you said about like it being so close and so far away because I've never thought about how and I almost wonder if it's on purpose the way that the app makes people believe that they can just like do it so quickly because mm-hmm. for so many people that's what happened. But I mean, I wish I knew it. It seems like just a weird mixture of luck and like right place, right time with the algorithm and like what I was saying earlier, something as stupid as a typo can totally blow up your video. But mm-hmm. now we're at a point where I feel like blowing up because a lot of people will have a viral video that's just something random or it's like a funny video that just pops off. And then that's kind of like one hit wonder. It's so interesting to see now. I'm just wondering how long until we stop seeing these people that just kind of blow up for what seems to be not no reason. I don't want to give them like no credit, but you know, the way that TikTok picks people up. Mm -hmm. How long until we stop seeing people just blow up like that and become influencers or whatever, because it seems to be so oversaturated. I mean, even a year ago, it seemed to be so oversaturated. And I guess I got in like a year and a half, maybe two years ago. And even then, like, it felt to be a very oversaturated market. And so I'm wondering, how long is that even going to go on for anymore? But I feel like it's got to be just like right place, right time. 
People are also so famous and and I don't know who they are. Like that's very different from, you know, the 90s where you knew Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts. Yes. This is someone who I found a an account that I love that's this little girl getting dressed. Oh, no. And it's so cute. She chooses her clothes. It's adorable. No, they shouldn't That's do that. That's so cute. She's really good at styling. No, I know, but you shouldn't. The, the, you shouldn't be putting your children on TikTok. She wants to do it. I also she, I don't care if she wants to do TikTok, it. There's but... tons of of people that are saving those videos for nefarious reasons. I have seen that, like the stuff about how many saves there are on videos of little kids versus, yeah, it's really fucked up. But well, the point is, is that I saw her. And then I didn't realize that she was parodying this woman who gets stressed. So I was like, oh, interesting. So I went and looked and this woman is so famous for for her getting dressed videos. Uh But I don't know. Like, I don't know who that is. Like this person has, you know, I don't know, like 12 million followers. Not they're not me. And and so I think it's this weird thing where it's it maybe it's oversaturated or maybe it's just you can. You can carve out a thing where you're so famous to a certain group of people mm-hmm. and not be known to everyone at all. But that's YouTube as yeah. well. That's what I'm saying. Like it's it's really kind of twisted the idea of famous to the point that I think someone who has 11,000 followers right now could find their one thing, mm-hmm. get to be get like a million followers and we would not even know who they are. Yeah, but like it's that yeah. it's not that easy, right? I mean, like we've been making content for years and I try to make content for TikTok and I'll have videos that, you know, hit a million, two million. And then the amount of followers I get is like 200. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know, like yeah. I just feel like the the way that people are interacting with TikTok is maybe changing because I feel like if a few years ago I had had those numbers, the followers would come. But, mm. but now you look at these people that have like 100K on TikTok but then you look at their views and their views mm-hmm. are pretty low. And so mm-hmm. it's like, well, how did they ever get this hundred thousand when I when I'm, you know, have an existing fan base and can't even like yes. it's so there's so much like weird mystery. To I think you have to I think sometimes <laughs> yes. you have to make like things. I think sometimes, okay, what makes me follow someone is if they have a format or also if I think that there more drama will happen in the future on that page. So like <laughs> if it's like a part one or a part two of a story, you know what I mean? And I want to follow it. Or I just oh followed this woman who responds to cooking videos. And oh, she, she a, start off by everybody's so, so creative. creative. Yeah. That yeah. Lady's so-, so she's so funny. And the thing is, is that it's a format you recognize. As soon as yes. she pops up, as soon as she says her, her um, tagline, you know exactly what you're getting. Mm-hmm. I think those two things are what make me follow someone. Also hotness. Also, if they're hot, we cannot. Okay, we want to talk about something. Hank Green has also brought this up and he's Mm -hmm. talked about this a lot where he's like, I feel like I not. And he's like, he's like, I know this sounds bragging, but he's like, I feel like I got successful because I'm a somewhat conventionally attractive white guy. Mm -hmm. And like if he was trying to ask a while ago, like how much does being sort of pleasant to the eye change the amount to which people follow you. And it really does. Yeah, I I believe that 100%. There's no way that it doesn't. Like that just always happens in every industry, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But how weird is it for you guys to see? Because you guys have been on social media for a while. Yeah, we're very old. How? <laughs> you guys have been on for a long time. A long time. We're going to take a quick break for ads, but then we'll be right back with our guest.
weird to you as people that started kind of on YouTube and stuff to see the way that creator economy and just content creation has completely changed like this? Or do you see a lot of similar trends in that? You know, it's funny, like when we started on YouTube, it was very, I felt that people wanted longer stuff because Mm -hmm. it was the time around Broad City getting big or uh, episodic things, Mm -hmm. uh, stuff that was, you know, people were really making web series. To me, it was very that. And then TikTok was, uh, you know, dancing or lip syncing. And then now there's little sketches on TikTok. So I'm, I think it's in my head, I'm like, is it coming back around where... But I don't know. It seems very similar, but I don't I don't think I can't recall anyone from YouTube getting super successful for just flippant videos. Mm -hmm. I think that I live a life of few regrets. But but one big regret that I have is not taking TikTok seriously from the get go. Mm -hmm. Like I think back in 2020, like I I think I was still like of this like weird mindset of like it's just dance videos. Like it's not a real place for content outside of that. And I, I like kick myself for that because I think that like, if I had really focused on there more, like during the time, I think when people were kind of like getting followers overnight and all of that stuff, like who knows where I would be now. And so I actually think that that TikTok success has changed the way I think about a lot of things where now I, I am much less flippant about new things that pop up because mm-hmm. I'm like, who the who knows? None of us fucking know. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. if if people are liking this for whatever reason, like who am I to say that I'm above that or that that's not the, the right route for my creativity when like my whole thing is realizing that all I want to do is like make stuff and the mm-hmm. medium in which I make stuff matters less, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's like what you were saying, Mac, about you're like, I'm a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Some of the great some of the, the most incredible filmmaking stuff I've seen has been on TikTok, the way that people will creatively do stuff and then they'll make a video showing how they did it. And Mm -hmm. like, that's directing. Like what you just did is cinematography. Yeah, it is really interesting though. And Hank, we keep bringing up Hank Green. I know. (laughs) Common theme, fan club. He was talking about production value on TikTok and the way that people should like still take it seriously, but not to put effort into your production value because it's it's like you don't need it on TikTok. Like you can use it if you want to. And I think if a lot that's of the your time medium, if that's yeah, what you exactly. want to do. I think a lot of the time filmmakers want to make like you want to make it look pretty. You want to make it look really good. But the thing with TikTok is that I've posted stuff that I've filmed with like a really nice camera and done like a really good job on and had a team. It won't take off or it'll perform like very subpar. And I can't help but wonder if I shot the same thing on my phone because it's almost like when people see that nice format, they feel like they're about to watch an ad or they feel like they're about to like make a commitment to watch something and they're just like trying to scroll. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really interesting on TikTok and it sucks because it's like you want to put something out there that's really pretty and that you feel like you put effort into. But it's like Hank Green said, it's just a medium where you don't necessarily need to put that much work into production value unless that's that's what you want to do. I want to I put it as when you were talking about where tier, what tiers things go into, I'll put it as this video isn't going to do well mm-hmm. 
-hmm. But when someone comes to my page, this video needs to be on my page. So people, so they can see that I do this. So like this video of me vlogging about going to a a film festival for my film, nobody cares. Mm -hmm. But I care. Thank you so much. I didn't watch it, but I'm glad you posted it. Thanks so much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just saying like in between the other stuff, I want them to go, oh, this person's a filmmaker. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like that video will get, you know, nothing. A video of me and Allison fucking around will get like two million. That's fine. But I that to me, there's to me, I think of them as viral posts and also resume posts. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I've never heard that described better. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I think a thing I've had to do because my mental health is so negatively impacted by my social media output mm-hmm. <laughs> that like I because I was getting into like I, I think almost like an OCD loop of feeling like I needed to post every day and like being so obsessive yeah. about it and like feeling like a failure if I hadn't posted and all this stuff and, yes. and then if it didn't do well it was like horrible and I had to do a thing where I had to like reimagine myself I was like Allison like you are a writer who also sometimes posts content mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of like in my head I was like, I'm a content creator who, mm-hmm. and that lets me be a writer. But yeah. like, even just like that weird reframing of like, mm-hmm. yes, you're posting these things, but you're also working on multiple books and trying to develop a TV show yeah. and you have a podcast and like, mm-hmm. and, and having to like reframe the social media as like one arm of it and not yeah. how I identify my, mm-hmm. because, because all these longer projects take so much longer to get feedback Mm -hmm. or to see if they're moving forward or like you know you're working on a book for like a year and a half like the the social media you're getting that immediate reaction so it's like well today I was a failure or today I was a success where Uh. it's like no I'm I'm in the middle of a book writing process and I also filmed a TikTok that may or may not have done well like that's been like a big reframe I've been having to like try to really focus on (laughs) I see that for you that's really good advice I know. And I think you, Mac, will be able to trade on your name where you'll be able to make the films you want to make because an audience will be curious about it. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I think like it's like what you were saying earlier about people on TikTok not really knowing who they're following all the time and not really knowing their interests. And so half the time, it's like, what's the real life turnover of this giant audience that you have? Like. Mm -hmm. I have an audience of 3.4 million on TikTok, but if I was to put out a project, how many, what's the turnover going to be from that Mm -hmm. giant number? How is that going to funnel down? And I know that it does because when I post a YouTube video, if I do well on the promotional clip and I put that on TikTok and it blows up, you see those numbers go over. I mean, still, you can't help but wonder how many people are actually following you and know you and want to see you do this stuff. And how many of them are just there for formatting or for whatever else? Just or like, like a quick how laugh. Allison didn't know your name. <laughs> but to be fair, I don't know some of my good friends' names. Well, did you think it was Emmy or did you just not know it at all? Well, now that I'm looking back, I'm realizing that I'm not a follower on TikTok. I'm just a person who the same people will show up because I like, I'm clearly like yeah, watching yeah, yeah, their yeah. content. So I don't know if I ever actually hit no offense if I hit I, I don't think I've hit follow on like anyone other than like some therapists what Allison how yeah. do you okay but how are you if you like someone don't you want to remember who they are and like TikTok see, knows and they give them to me over it, and over yes, again yes that is true it also, does happen like that 
I also use TikTok like a dating app sometimes <laughs> where I'm like, I, I follow someone and that's me swiping. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. There is a video of me hitting on Allison and this person commented, once he stops chasing her, I hope he finds my number. And I was like, that's really smooth. And that I just really smooth. went and followed them immediately. <laughs> All right. Well, we can talk about Gabe's creepy predatory behavior they on hit social on media. Me. They hit on me. All day. But now we have to play a game show. <laughs> So hypotheticals is a game where you and Gabe are my contestants. I give you a series of hypothetical situations. You can ask any clarifying questions you might have. And then you tell me what you would do with that situation. And I decide if I like your answer, which is a format that doesn't do well. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Mm. Your partner of 27 years comes home from work and admits that 22 years ago, they had a two-week-long affair after you told them they couldn't get another dog. And now that person they had the affair with is going to be their coworker, which is why they are telling you now. Would you stay with this cheater? They were <laughs> mad that you couldn't get a dog? That you would, Yeah, they, they were mad that you said they couldn't get another dog. Another dog. Yeah. Do I know the coworker? No, no. How did they meet the first time? At a bar for dog lovers. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks later, you took it back and said you could, they could get another dog. And that's, and that's why they the ended the affair. Ended. That's why they ended the affair. And now it's like 22 years later. So both those dogs are dead. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't have the dogs, dogs anymore. Then. Yeah. Oh, my God. I and, think I would and, leave. Yeah. Wow, really? Why? Knowing that they lied to me for 22 years. And now the thing they lied about is also dead, which probably would have been my only comfort when they left. I don't think I, I don't think I could get it out of my brain. I wouldn't live it down. Well, also now that the coworker is back in their life, I would be like staring them down, being like, hmm, suspicious. I would also be like, if I do something you don't like, will you go initiate an affair? Mm -hmm. That feels like bad behavior. Bad how many patterns. times? Yeah, how, how many, many times, times have you, have you done How many this? times have I said no to more animals and you've had affairs you went to cat cafe started picking up babes because <laughs> normally with these when the affair happened decades ago we forgive yeah but this feels different like Do we, we shouldn't on this show on yes because yeah. <laughs> you're old yeah. and you're sort of tired <laughs> it's too much work to find someone new yes. to find another one yeah. right although okay. we have said that we do admire people who get divorced at like 90 we're like yeah they've Go had enough it. they've <laughs> had enough <laughs> they're tired <laughs> I think that I would wonder what else they lied about. Well, it just seems like a bad instinct to punish like that. Yes. They must have done it other times. There's no way that just happened one time when you said no about a dog. Like, that's got to be reoccurring. Every time you're like, no, we can't go on vacation. They go off and they go to like, I don't know, like a, a place for people who love vacations and they meet someone there. They, they're like, where have you been all day at work? No, they were in Santa Barbara. <laughs> They were having a vacation. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave this person. Unless getting that dog really healed them because dogs are powerful. No, if I'll stay with them if they quit their job and work somewhere else and don't they see that person. They have to quit their job and their co-worker has to buy me a new dog. Yes. Ooh, interesting. Yes. All right. I, I will accept these terms. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our next game. Are you a terrible parent? Mm. Your child. 18 
wants to join the army, but you don't believe in war or the military industrial complex. So you say that if they sign a contract saying that they will never join any part of the military, you will buy them a Jaguar convertible. They sign the document and then say, I knew I'd get something awesome if I pretended I wanted to do that. Are you a terrible parent? They shouldn't have confessed that to me. Well, but you created someone who did all, who who had those series of actions. A genius. <laughs> a genius. Yeah, they played the fuck out of you. Yeah, definitely. I love oh it. Oh my God. I think you're a great parent. I love it. That person's going to get far in life. <laughs> I was going to say, you raised them. They are so smart to think of that. Also, you know, they spend a lot of time with you to know that you have this hatred for the military. Right. So you probably have a pretty close bond. Or you're just always shouting about the military. <laughs> Why, what? In the house? Yeah. In your house? Why not? I shout about all sorts of things. You're going up to like the VA in your town and just flicking it off. Yeah. That's insane. That's insane behavior. I think you're a great parent. I think you're a great parent. Really? Yeah. You taught them to work smarter, not harder. They're playing the system. You being the system, but, you know, I think you're a great parent. Wow. I was going to go bad parent because you created a kind of a manipulative monster. No, they're smart. Well, what do you think would have happened to them in the military? Right. All right. Fair enough. Exactly. Putting it in the parenting book. Yeah. I think this is brilliant. (laughs) I think this kid, I think this kid is so smart and I would trust them to be street smart out in the world. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay. (laughs) Our final game. Would you forgive this liar. You have agreed to pet sit your neighbor's dog for three days. You ask if there is anything you need to know, and they say no. But 10 minutes after they leave, the dog starts pooping and throwing up everywhere. And when you tell your neighbor, they say, oh yeah, I forgot to mention Frito is very sick at the moment. Would you forgive this liar? No, I wouldn't. No, that's insane. That's (laughs) That's an unimaginable responsibility. Yeah, because if the dog dies, then what? When you or it's more like a stomach bug where you're just gonna have to be cleaning up a lot of poop and vomit. No, if it just happened after they left, I'd be like, okay. But if they were like, oh yeah, sorry, we purposefully left it. We knew this was happening. No, that's really awful. That's animal yeah. abuse. Wow. Especially if I'm the person that just told my partner that they couldn't have a pet and that caused them to cheat on me, and now I'm <laughs> pet sitting for this animal that's shitting and throwing up everywhere. <laughs> No, I won't have it. It was a dog-centric round of games. Yeah. Is this because <laughs> I told you that my neighbor took beans downstairs? Probably. My <laughs> my neighbor, my new neighbor, uh, I was like, hey, I'm so sorry to bother you. But is it possible for you to go check on my dog? I've like, you know, I don't know. I thought he was sick this morning. I'm just being paranoid. And in my mind, I've invented a scenario where he is dead. So if you could just go check on him. And the neighbor was like, oh, yeah, totally. Went upstairs, like saw beans, thought he was so cute. That was like, hey, I'm going to be home all day. Can I just take him downstairs with me? And I was like, if you want. And he was sending me pictures. He had my dog the whole day. <laughs> and I was like, you can bring him back like upstairs whenever you want. And he was like, no, I'm good. And then I had came back and got him at like 7 p.m. And you I just was, revealed that you leave your dog alone for too long. No, I wasn't going to. Oh, you extended I how extended long? I extended because the, this guy was like, I'm, I was like, I'll come home whenever. And the, the guy was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> and like was just like. Was just like, he's so cute and sending me the cutest pictures. That's kind of cute. Was it off-putting though? No, it's like a young guy and he's like a YouTuber. So I can track him down if he does anything weird, but. You can start internet drama if anything happens. Right, right. For the TikTok. And he has his own dog and stuff. 
But I came back with, they have a yard. So I came mm-hmm. back and I was like, oh, this, my dog is going to be like, the, there's, this house is better. I don't want to come back with you. Oh no, you can't this compete is a be- with that. This is a better house. This guy hung out with me all day. What the fuck do you do? <laughs> yeah, but Beans is loyal. Beans is very loyal. But I was just like, I was just like this, this dog had just, it's like when you send your kid to like spend a day with their friend and the fan, the friend's family's curly rich. And you're like, great, my kid's going to come home. This is like, at least my experience. My kid's going to come home and be like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) (laughs) Are we poor? (laughs) And I'm going to have to be like, to beans, like, yes, we are. (laughs) Nobody wants to admit that to their dog. Yeah, we're not front of house yard rich, beans. I'm so sorry. (laughs) On that note, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people follow all of your viral videos? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. You can follow me on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram at MacInjimi, M-A-K-I-N-G-E-M-I. Or you can find me on Chosen Family Podcast with my co-hosts, Ashley Gavin and Elena Joy. Amazing. This was so great. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Allison will follow you. I promise. Yeah, now I got to. I'm waiting for it. (laughs) Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about award shows. Just between us, it's time for topics. X, 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 baby. 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 Ooh, oh my God, sexy. You made us wait for it and it was worth it. Anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> so considering we're filming this in, in late January. No. Oh my God. Oh my God it's, it's February. February, <laughs> it's like February 10th. February. It's like mid-February. <laughs> no, I know. Right before this, you were like, I want to go to bed. <laughs> So deeply embarrassing for me. Okay. I just wanted to talk award shows because I feel like every year, like the Oscars nominations come out, the Grammy nominations come out and everyone's just mostly upset. Mm. And so I was just like uh, posing the question, do you think that they should exist at all? Well, I'm a huge movie buff, but I have never super cared about the Oscars. Okay. Here's the thing. It's never the movies that I care about. It's never the movies I want. No, nothing wins that I want to win. What about when Moonlight won? I do have a painting of in my house of when Moonlight won. See? Because I, that's true. That was very important to me. Um, I guess I'm still bitter about Crash beating Brokeback Mountain. I guess I will absolutely never get over that. I mean, there's a lot of talk about racism within nominations, sexism within nominations, also getting rid of gendered acting categories, which there's been some non-binary actors who have pulled out of consideration because they don't know what category they're supposed to be in. Mm. There's also this this worry that if they do, because the best director category has been so overcome with men that they if they make the acting categories not gendered, if they just do best, best actor total, um, that it'll be like 10 guys and no women. And so there's all these um, problems now that I think are coming up that will require these shows to be completely overhauled. And I hope that they are. So you would rather try to fix the system than get rid of it. Yes. Who votes? The Hollywood Foreign Press is like five guys like that. vote for the the Golden Golden Globes. Globes. Like that's dumb. Everyone knows that's a silly one. Yeah. But but is it silly? Because. I guess I didn't grow up knowing it was silly. I didn't. I didn't. I thought it was real. Knowing it was, yeah. There's awards for everything, 
And I just, as somebody who directed an audiobook that was nominated for a Grammy. Grammy nominated director. <laughs> when are you going to EGOT? I know. I'm working <laughs> on it. I'm working on it. I just think that there's awards for everything. I do think it's broken and I do think it can be fixed. But who's going to fix it? That's a problem. But I, I mean, you can, you can get an award for being like the best driver of the year. Like you sure. can get an award. There's awards for everything. I could yeah. make it up right now. Yeah. You get awards for that being been said, nominated for podcasts. I was about to say we are nominated for best ensemble in the <laughs> iHeartRadio podcast awards. It feels nice to be nominated. Exactly. I so, told you this. I secretly nominate us for stuff. I know. I love that for you. Please keep doing it. Yeah. I go around and I nominate us for stuff. But then I had never told Allison that I did it because we had never actually got a nomination. And then finally we got one and she was like, oh, my God, how did this happen? And I was I'm like, a part of it now. So the ensemble is complete yes exactly you're the ensemble <laughs> so I was just like you know I submit our show for a lot of stuff and then and then I only I just don't want you to be disappointed so I only tell you when it goes well this is great and I think that's good See? I love it but like I just I just I do think like there 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 are awards that are messed up but it's it's nice to be nominated it's lovely it's to be nice nominated. to be to be like oh, awarded or just mentioned for the hard work you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also sucks when you do very hard work and nobody notices or mm-hmm. people are like, you should have been, or people are going around getting their very influential friends to vote for you and then talk bad about other people. And I'm talking about the best actress to, for uh, the, the movie to Leslie. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what? This is this crazy thing? I kind of admire it in a sort of Angeline but, getting famous by hanging by putting billboards up of herself. But then it knocked other people out that should have got a nomination okay. over them. So basically this white woman, right? Mm-hmm. Andrea Reisenberg. And she did it because we're talking about her. She did this indie movie or this this small movie and she and her husband got like a bunch of famous people to tweet about how it was an amazing performance. And that she should be nominated for an Oscar. And then she was nominated for Best Actress. Even then, though it was like... And then it bumped Viola, Viola Davis, Davis and like a few other people. And and the thing is like in an email specifically, which is against the rules, is that somebody said, yeah, but what about Viola? And, they were in, and then it was the director's wife who's also... I've seen... I know that she's... I, I know who she is because she's friends with Chelsea Handler. But she said, no, Viola has this like locked in. So we don't have to worry about her. So by saying that, that went against the rules. And they've actually now yeah. like it went up in front of the Oscar committee and they've now changed like a rule. But How they're not campaign and How they're but campaign. they're not taking away her nomination. Yeah. How how did it break the rules? Have a private conversation because you, you can't. Said, it's not. It, it's you can't. You can't campaign and then say that somebody else has it locked in when they don't because that's not true. Right. So it was like it was basically these rules of campaigning. But that being said, people have done Oscars campaigns shadily for forever, all for for always. So in some ways, I do admire the chutzpah. But in other ways, yeah, it definitely has comes down to resources, to nepotism, to who you know, to who you're already, you know, in in the you know the world with. Like, how do you even know the people who do the Oscars? Things like that, and also like uh, the people that they get to host these things. It's like not. It's like almost like purposefully unfunny. Like I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I would say the last time I found hosts of a program like that funny were. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Yeah. 
Well, they should host all of them. I agree. Every <laughs> single, I mean, I'm not even a huge Tina Fey. I'm a huge Amy Poehler. Fan. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not even a huge, I love Tina Fey's work, but I'm not a huge fan of like her and her politics. Yes, but yes. they were great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're a good duo. Like they, they have what it takes to host, but like, yeah. They also like try to play it safe too. With the like, who wants to watch Jimmy Kimmel? Like, or Ricky Gervais? He's or on blah, TV blah, 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 who gives every a shit. freaking right, night. Exactly. Mm. Give us something special. Yeah, I think the duo is the way to go. Yeah, because they, they can bounce off. They can each bounce other. off each other. It's not like quite as awkward. But I mean, even last year at the Oscars, they tried to do Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, and Wanda Sykes. Right. And again, like Wanda Sykes is. Really, like her stand-up is so she funny, just do it by herself? but she wasn't funny hosting. Oh, but I'm just saying, any one of them could have done it but alone. I, think, I don't understand. I think, I think Amy and Regina did a very good job. Yeah. So maybe just the two of them, but they didn't have them playing off of each other. That's it would just be like one of them pop right, up and right, say right. something and then go away. Like a duo is like the point is that they work together, uh-huh. not just like multiple hosts. Right. Well. And that's why and that's we're nominated we for Best Ensemble. And that's what, exactly. <laughs> well, Best we're Ensemble. Now. We're a trio. But also, I don't like how they focus on certain things. Like, Best Director is really focused on, but not Best Cinematographer as much, or not Best Costume, or not Best Sound. Like, when they play off the people who did, like, incredible sound design, and they give them, like, one second. Like, it's just, um, or God, my, there's, my... There's also so many awards that don't even get Televised at all, anything. It's like like, the Grammys has like 80 categories. Only like 11 of them are on TV. Yeah. Yeah. But then you get to have that on your resume, right? Like for the rest of your life, you get to say Grammy nominated. That's why I say don't get rid of it. No, I know. It's just, I, I just, I think like one thing that always stuck out to me is with the Oscars, which is the one that I care about the most, but the Oscars, they'll have like best foreign language film. They'll come up. It'll be usually people who aren't like native English speakers. They'll be giving their speech and then they just play them off because it's like and it always reads to me as like sort of xenophobic and like kind of weird. And I just I just I don't know. It just kind of like. Yeah, like even best picture itself goes to the producers. But right. It's everyone's work that's to get. Right. Right. Or. I think that that's very strange to mm-hmm. me. Maybe it would be too hard to change like the Oscars and the Emmys and the Golden Globes, but maybe there could be a new big award show that could come out. That's our new business that's- that we've been thinking of. Yes, we should start a new <laughs> award show. Yes. And it's all, and the categories aren't gendered, but we only do movies and film and music and stuff that we like. So it ends up being. But, but then it could be like, because sometimes somebody will get like best, Lead, they'll be up for best supporting, but they were in the movie the whole time and they were mm-hmm. essentially it's a just, lead. It's so just, we have to like yeah. break things down by time. How much time? What percentage are they actually in the film? I kind of enjoy Ooh, yeah. when someone wins for best supporting and they had maybe one scene. One scene. Like Viola Davis, when she won best supporting, she was only in it. It was like five minutes. It was like incredible. a yeah. but incredible. Like, but like that's supporting. But if you're, you can't go like be... Like, for example, they do it because they know they're not going to get nominated again, for lead. Like, I'm just, I just keep bringing up Viola Davis for fences. She got nominated for best supporting, but she was lead of that. She should have been in best lead. 
Were they categorizing Denzel as the because, lead? Because, well, he also, it, they could have been, both of them could right. have been the lead because they are co-leads of that movie. Right. But what they were doing is it was something that I believe Michelle Williams was up in the same uh, studio. And so they put Viola in supporting right. and Michelle Williams in lead. lead. Yes. Oh. It's strategic. And so it's strategic, but like, I think they both could have got it. Also with the Grammys, there's a lot of like accusations of racism and stuff and and people were, you know, upset about Harry Styles winning over Beyonce. I don't know. I think I think for the Grammys best album of the year, there's too many because there's like 10 in it. And so yeah. the votes are getting split too much. I think it should just be yeah. five. Ooh, that's okay. a smart idea. Yeah. I like that. Well, we're gonna start our own award show. Yeah, that's yeah. We, it's that's just gonna be an entertainment as a whole. Yeah, and exactly. have a lot of different and things. Just, yeah. And it's just things that we like. Yeah, <laughs> and and it'll be well, it'll be well hosted. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I am for stopping the gendered categories, but I would like to see a pitch for what next. Okay. You know, what does it look like now? Mm-hmm. What do we rate this episode? I rate it 11 out of 10, Allison on gay TikTok. (laughs) I'll rate it 200 out of 72, doggy dogs. See, I was going to rate it uh, 50 out of 40, don't step on your dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's our big takeaway. How about Allison screaming, I'll step on you? (laughs) It turned very kinky. You know that's a kink, right? (laughs) I have to go. Thank you to Mac and Jemmy for being our guest. Just Between Us is a Forever Dog production hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabe Dunn. Produced by Melissa Diamond Monts. Edited by Coco Lorenz. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. Also, you can follow this podcast at Just Between Us Pod on TikTok and at JBU Podcast on Instagram. Also, I'm on Instagram now at Gabe S. Dunn. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Raskin. And on TikTok at at Allison Raskin Baby. And I'm on TikTok as Dabby Gun. So branding's going really well over here. Yeah, good luck finding us. Forever. Dog.